Hey everybody, welcome back to the Cross Country Sports Podcast. This is episode 11. I'm joined by my usual co-host, Elijah Zalonki, but hey, today everyone. we are going to welcome in a new member of the Cross Country Sports Podcast for this episode, and it's someone who Elijah and I are both very familiar with, and um, his resume is very um, impressive, and I'd like to introduce him to you now. It's Evan Feldman, who- How y'all doing? is a speech and debate coach in the state of Michigan. And the reason why we're having him on, not only because his profession is worth talking about for this particular episode, but also because he's a huge sports fan, number one. And number two, the three of us have in common that we all went to sleepaway camp together at Camp JC at Shalom in Malibu, which is incredibly awesome. So Evan, welcome. Very happy to have you here. Happy to be here. There is nothing better than Jewish camp, both the stories and the jokes, but more importantly, the talks about sports. True. So, oh, yeah. I mean, so that's, I would, how, that's how we became friends. Evan, why don't you tell everyone who your favorite team is in football? Like, who do you root for? So I feel like this is a trap question because Elijah just, question. Elijah just wants to roast me because I like a lot of teams. So my story is I was born in New York, so I'm a fan of Jets and Giants. Jets first. But... I also, you know, grew up in LA, so Rams. Now, the one that confuses people and the one that Elijah really roasts me on is that I also grew up liking the Broncos because of my uncle who was like, I like the Broncos. And I'm like, I like my uncle. So that was sixth grade logic for you. And unfortunately, I've grown to regret that decision because I don't love that uncle that much anymore, but that's neither here nor there. So Elijah... It makes me feel any better. It's now just mostly Rams and Jets and then a little Giants. Oh my oh, god! Giants. I love that movie. That that literally just got so dark, and I don't even know where to begin from this. <laughs> uh, that's really funny, Bevin, that you mentioned that because the reason why I became a Colts fan is because my cousin, who taught me the game of football, uh, loves Marshall Falk, and because mm. they both went to San Diego State. My cousin said, whoever Marshall Falk goes to is the team that I'm going to be rooting for. So he got drafted by the Colts, and that's how I became a Colts fan. So That's where Rashad Penny went, right? San Diego State? Yes, he did. That's right. Now he's with the Seattle Seahawks. Yep, exactly. That's just one of the probably many San Diego State Aztecs who went to the NFL. Elijah, you're not one of them, though, unfortunately. I, I went. I, I could have gone to the NFL, but I tore my I tore my um, personality. <laughs> By the way, like, I just think it's funny that when a Colt grows up, it becomes a Bronco. Mm, true. Mean? When Peyton Manning grew up, he became a Bronco. Yeah, it's a Peyton Manning story. Wow. Kind of beautiful. Well, I'm glad you guys mentioned Peyton Manning because I want to talk Speaking about him. Colts quarterbacks. I want to talk about him a little later in the show, but that also ties into our main topic of discussion, which is what we, me and Elijah were talking about in episode 10 of the Cross Country Sports Podcast, which was... Carson Wentz, and we were going to talk about when he got dealt, and Wait, that is officially happened. Got dealt? Carson Wentz got oh, dealt. Oh yeah, because we knew we knew he was going to get dealt. No, no, no. Matter. You said once he got dealt. When <laughs> he got dealt. Look at, look at that pun. That man. that hurts, man. Get it? Oh, uh, uh, Jalen. That, hey, that's man. incredible. So anyway, my point of discussion here. So. February 18th, that was two days ago. We're recording this on Saturday the 20th. So this happened on Thursday the 18th, my half birthday. And I got a really good birthday present because Carson Wentz did indeed get traded. He got traded to the Indianapolis Colts. And 
In return, the Philadelphia Eagles got a third-round pick in next year's draft and also a conditional second-round pick in the draft after that, 2023. And I find it very interesting because the way that the Eagles actually win the trade is if Carson Wentz plays. And I'll explain that because Wentz's Wentz's play will determine if that second-round pick, because it's a conditional pick, will become a first-round pick if he plays 75% of his snaps next season. Now, he also um, can play 70% of the snaps and the Colts can go to the playoffs. And then that 2023 draft pick becomes a first round draft pick. So I find that to be very interesting, but I really wanted to get your guys' thoughts on the trade, maybe who won the trade, uh, how this affects both teams. So I'll start with Elijah just because usual co-host. So seniority. No, that's not what it is. Seniority. I I think the Colts are the clear winners here, although obviously, you know, we don't know what these draft picks are going to look like for Philadelphia, but if Carson Wentz does a good job for the Colts and that pick becomes a first-round pick, that probably means that the, the pick's going to be in the late 20s anyway, but also Wentz is, I think he's a really good quarterback when he has weapons and when he has time to throw. Um, now I'm the, the Colts weapons. A lot of them are young, uh, Pittman quite good. Um, obviously they have that running back Taylor, Jonathan Taylor is really nice, I think. Um, but, um, the big thing with them is they have a great offensive line anchored by Quentin Nelson, Notre Dame. Um, and I think he's going to have a lot of time to throw and make plays and stand in the pocket. And I think that if he was going to succeed anywhere, it's, it's going to be Indianapolis. It's a place where, first of all, he gets kind of, sometimes he gets some cupcake defenses, you know, cause uh, Jacksonville, Houston, and well, Tennessee could have a good defense. every That's going to be better with Urban Meyer. Though. Oh, potentially, potentially. But um, I, I still think that um, in general, I think that uh, Wentz is, Wentz is the main winner here because he's going to, a team that made the playoffs last year. And he could just take Phillip Rivers role, come in, do a good job. Um, the, the, the main concern for me is his health, um, you know, cause he's missed a lot of action uh, in his first five years in the league. Um, but in general, I think the Colts are the winners here. And I think Wentz is, um, Wentz is in a situation where he could succeed. Uh, although like, <laughs> remember like he, he was a number two overall pick, but um Although, I think, I think he'll do a good job. Yeah, Go ahead, I, Evan. Let's hear what you have to say. Yeah, so I think Elijah makes some really solid points. Ultimately, what I think we have to consider in terms of who wins and who loses this deal is regarding, like, that conditional pick that you bring up, Noah. Because if the Colts make the playoffs and that second round becomes a first-round pick, it only becomes worth it for them if they go deep into the playoffs, right? If they make the playoffs and get knocked out in the first round, then they gave up a first round pick for almost no net utility, right? Like, but if they make a deep playoff run, then they're good. But additionally- The net utility is Wentz himself because he could just play like, I mean- Well, you say that and I agree for the most part, but here's the thing. (laughs) Normally you would say that this is a win-win no matter what, because- the Eagles open up the opportunity for Jalen Hurts and they get rid of most of Wentz's contract. And it's a win for the Colts because 
obviously an upgrade over Rivers if he can play healthy and definitely better than what they have now in Jacoby Brissett. However, the reason why it has the opportunity to be a loss for the is, Elijah, as you said, this roster is ready. It is deep playoff run ready. When you have old man, nice talking Philip Rivers getting you to the playoffs and almost beating the Bills, they have a limited window where they're underpaying Jonathan Taylor. They're underpaying Michael Pittman. They're underpaying Paris Campbell. Like this is, they have a short window where if Wentz can perform, they can capitalize. And if he's hurt, they miss out on a huge opportunity, especially as Quentin Nelson enters his prime. Oh yeah. The, the time is now really for the, for the Indianapolis Colts. Like they have, like you said, all the weapons and remember their loss to the bills. It was by a field goal. And it was a lot of suspect coaching decisions slash uh, defensive miscues that uh, that kept them from winning. So if they're able to shore that up a little bit, I don't see why they can't make a deep playoff run, especially with the Chiefs exhausted from uh, the past two years. Um, obviously, I'm not saying the Chiefs aren't going to be good, but like that's who they're competing with uh, for a spot. But yeah, I, I'd agree to that. Like This is the Colts' time to do a good job. But Noah, you, you know, as someone who follows the Colts, obviously, you know, a diehard Colts fan, um, you know, like, how, how do you feel about it? Like, what's the, like, for, as an analyst and as a fan, like, what do you, where do you stand? Well, I first want to say that Evan bringing up Paris Campbell is very, I don't know, encouraging, considering Paris Campbell's barely played since his time in the NFL. So I hope that he can play and I hope that he can factor into the offense next year. That would be great. Um, I also find it very interesting that Frank Reich has so much influence over the roster and specifically the quarterback spot, a position that he played in the NFL at his time. And he was able to bring in Philip Rivers on a one-year deal. It ended up working out as well as it possibly could have given the fact that they went to the, the playoffs and lost to the bills. I find it also very interesting that the Colts ranked 10th in total offense last year, this past season, 2020 with a 37, 38-year-old quarterback at the helm. So now you bring in a much younger guy in Carson Wentz going into his age 29 season. And I think that my biggest concern in terms of the trade rumors was that they were going to give up too much for him. And it was really just a steal. It was very universally praised on social media, specifically Twitter, which is what I have, in saying Well, that except... It, sorry to, to pop in here, Noah. No, go ahead. It, I always think it was interesting that, you know, Skip Bayless, who for some reason always has the wrong take on everything except for Tom Brady, was like, oh, no, they should have milked this deal more because there was no market for Carson Wentz. Like, you know, don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. They got a good deal don't be upset about it that it wasn't the steal of the century, right? Just because it wasn't what the Cowboys did to the Vikings in the 90s doesn't mean it wasn't a successful trade. Oh, yeah. No, I think the Eagles got everything they could for him. And I know my Bears were in the discussions, but I'm glad that they didn't offer more than the Colts did. Uh, although maybe they did and Wentz probably just didn't want to go to Chicago because it is quarterback hell. But um, but yeah, no, in general, like, like I, I, I agree with that assessment. Um, yeah. I also, um, I wanted to talk a little bit more about um, what Noah was saying about Frank Reich having a lot of influence over 
uh, the roster, specifically the quarterback spot. Obviously, you know, Reich is able to get the guy he wants in Carson Wentz. They were together in Philly. Um, and I think that it just speaks to how well the Colts organization is run in general. Um, and I want to talk about Darius Leonard uh, at some point. Uh, his tweet recently saying, uh, and I have it here, I'll just quote it. Uh, Free agents, if y'all are thinking about coming to the Colts and play defense, just know that we don't want you if you don't play hard, run to the ball, make plays, or not willing to sacrifice yourself for your teammate to make the play. Don't care how big or little your name is. Um, and I think that that tweet right there kind of embodies what the Colts are about in the sense of how they're disciplined, how they're an incredibly well-run franchise. Darius Leonard's coming into his own as a leader. And now, you know, like they have their quarterback barring injury. And I think it's fair to say barring injury for Wentz because of how many times he's been injured. Um, and I, I think that this makes the Colts a desirable destination for potential free agents. It does. And an, another thing, too, to bring up in terms of that is when you're trying to attract free agents the way that Darius Leonard is, I really wish that he'd labeled it, hey, starting left tackle, because Anthony Costanza, the longtime starting left tackle for the Colts, recently retired. So that's... Are there tackles on the market? I, You know what? The tackle market is not something that people usually discuss, unless it's the Trent Williams of the world or the... Um, yeah, isn't he Tyrone block though? Did San Francisco resign him? He, yeah, he signed. He signed a max contract. So okay. my my point is, the Colts are probably going to have to go in the draft and draft whoever whoever the best left tackle is or whoever they well, take. Not, I mean, they're not going to get the best tackle in the draft because the, the kid Sewell is going to go top five. Like right. you know, Mel Mel Kuyper has him going to the Bengals. But there are some really good tackles this draft. There's Derisaw. There's Jalen Mayfield from uh, Michigan. Mm. Cosme from Texas. Samuel Cosme. There's lots of good tackles. Um, I know I'm blanking on a few. Um, the best offensive line on the market are centers and guards, right? Like Alex Mack is available. Brandon Scherf is available. Joe Thune. Like the best guard, you know, even Austin Blythe from my Rams are, or I guess, yeah, are available. Like. Can anyone name the top tackle on the market that like is of note? I mean, I'm not saying there's none, but who 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 matters that's available? Um, I, I honestly don't know off the top. Of my head. Jason Peters is available. Um, I'm looking. I think. I'm, well, yeah, Peters. Well, he's old. True. I mean, well, Trent Williams. It's actually funny you bring him up. It's actually I think he just got out of his contract. Taylor Martin had yeah, some problems. Had some promise coming out uh, in 2017 when he got picked in the second round. I know Jermaine Ifedi of Chicago might hit the market. Uh, he was not a great tackle, but once they moved him to guard and then moved him back outside, he did a pretty decent job. So um, the thing is, I feel like uh, tackles are kind of scarce in today's NFL. You know, like offensive linemen, um, they're not the, um, the the market is not saturated with them at this point. Well, um, so- one thing I will say is that this class does seem to, now that I'm looking at some of the names, part of the reason why the, the Chiefs, you could argue, lost the Super Bowl was because of the performance of Mike Remmers, right? Like, he really fell down in the Super Bowl, even though he had a pretty decent year before that on the Chiefs Super Bowl run. So 
you know, he's an interesting name. I mean, but he's more known for his mistakes. DeMar Dotson was okay. I'm a sucker for Russell Okung. Oh, I like, I like Okung. I like a good, you know, a solid name, someone who's done it a lot, someone who's, you know, just a mark of consistency. And, and I also wanted to correct myself. Trent Williams is definitely on the market. The 49ers traded for him thinking that they might be able to re-sign him, which they probably still will because he's in-house, but it's just dependent on if he's willing to go back to a franchise that also has quarterback questions. So he doesn't know who he's going to be t- protecting blindside wise. But I was so mad when the Bears decided to pay Robert Quinn instead of making a move for Trent Williams because we really need to shore up that left side of the line. Um, as much as, I mean, I don't dislike Charles Leno, but he's just not like, He's not that big presence that uh, that Williams is. No one really is. Williams is one of the best uh, offensive tackles of our generation. Uh, you know, right up there with the Joe. Wow, that's a big claim of the oh. generation. Is it? Is it? I think it's pretty well. I mean, I think it's been established. He's definitely made All Pro on numerous occasions. Him and Tyron Smith are definitely. I don't think comparing him to Tyron Smith is fair. I don't know. Maybe I'm underestimating the guy, but Tyron Smith is like all class like that dude's a hall of fame lock i don't think trent williams gets a vote oh you don't think so okay trent williams will make the hall of fame i think yeah i I I think think so too i mean i mean he he hasn't made uh, let me correct myself he he made second team all pro once but he is you know a pro bowl a perennial pro bowler he made it this year um like a few i mean generally offensive linemen who make the pro bowl like that is indicative of how well they do in general, because like, it, it's not like that that's less of a popularity contest because well, like, mm, I don't know about that. I think it's actually more of a popularity contest because people can only go off name recognition and not stats. That's interesting. I, I see what you're saying. I still just based on what I've seen from Trent Williams and like when I watch him play, he always seems to have his side of the line locked down and um, you know, holds his own and runs court and everything. And it's just like, I, I think, I mean, he, I think he's one, definitely one of the better ones. I'm not saying he is Joe Thomas, but I, I he's definitely um, like, I, I think he's earned his way into the discussion of one of the better offensive tackles. And, um, and I think he's the, he'll get, he'll get money. Top, he's the top coveted offensive tackle, right. Or off, at least left tackle right now. And I, I think it's very interesting because he, he recently signed a five-year $68 million contract and you're, if you're not good, you're not paid five years and six hundred six sixty million dollars. That, that's fair. I do think that an interesting picture or call it a snapshot of the offensive lineman market is the three cams of Cam Robinson, Cameron Fleming, and Cameron Irving, all tackles that, you know, probably they all go to the Patriots and play with Cam Newton. I mean, that would be a good, you know, snapshot of history with the four cams. I just got that joke. That's, that's, wow. That's so terrible. I love it. Oh that's my God. really great. But oh, that's so if, we, if we could, I'd love to stay on topic here because we kind of got away from it. But it's just, it's good to discuss the importance of NFL offensive lines and what Evan said is, is true because Mike Remmers isn't normally a left tackle. And the fact that he played left tackle and got absolutely shellacked is something that we should always talk about. But in terms, oh, yeah. of, in terms of the Carson Wentz trade, one thing that we haven't discussed yet is how this affects his old team, the Philadelphia Eagles. And obviously we talked a little bit about Jalen Hurts and how he's now QB1 over there. But the fact that the Eagles are starting over, they have a new head coach, Nick Sirianni, who of course was the offensive coordinator with the Colts beforehand. It's amazing how these things go back and forth, back and forth. So it's almost as if they traded Sirianni for once. 
it really is that, that, that if you want to look at it that way, that's a good point too, because obviously that the, the influence is going to be there and we'll, we'll see how Jalen hurts um, plays in the Eagles offense now with, with Nick Sirianni. But um, I'd love to give your guys' take on how exactly this affects the Philadelphia Eagles. The, the biggest thing that I think is that it affects the locker room aura because that locker room was absolutely tarnished, especially during the last parts of the season. And I think getting Carson Wentz out of there, letting that whole sigh of relief, obviously they didn't get what they wanted for him value-wise, but I think that the Eagles are much better off. I absolutely agree. And this is someone who's been an advocate for Carson Wentz. I've always thought he was good. Like he's put up great numbers every year until he went full Cutler this year. So like, it's not like, it's not like he can't perform, but I think that once the Eagles, like now they, they're kind of, I want to say in a rebuilding phase, but they have, you know, a young quarterback of the future. They have a lot of, that uh, they have some young defensive talent too. I think that the Eagles are kind of in a position right now where because of how bad the NFC East is, I don't think um, like, I think they'll be able to compete for the playoffs. Um, with that being said, I think that the other teams in the NFC East are going to be a lot better than they were last year. Uh, so that's neither here nor there. Point being, I think Hertz is going to be the answer for Philadelphia. I think he's going to do a really good job. I think he'll play well. There's something about watching him play. Um, just, you know, like something about like, he had, it was his game in Green Bay when he came in for Wentz and he had a dirty jersey and he was just running around, scrambling, slinging the ball. And it just like, it looked very, like he reminded me a little bit of McNabb just because, you know, it's just like this Eagles quarterback running around slinging it. And it's like, you know, just, it, it brought me that nostalgia. And I just think he makes a lot of sense for that city. Um, and I think the Eagles, I don't think they're going to be contenders next year, but I think that Jalen Hurts is going to be one of the more exciting players to watch, and it's going to become a, a destination for a lot of players who want to play there. And also, like, they are, um, you know, like, now that they got rid of Wentz, like, that's going to help their salary cap situation. So to, to, to sum up that mumbo-jumbo that I just said, basically, I think, um, I think the Eagles are better off now even though we won't see the results this coming season yeah i think that makes a lot of sense you know i I don't necessarily think that the eagles became a better free agent destination because hurts is the quarterback i think it's because that like elijah as you said that wentz is no longer in the locker room right and i would take it a step further to say i don't i think that they can't just stop it at wentz i think they need to get nate sudfeld out of there not nate sudfeld's fault but at the point when doug peterson puts him in the game over Jalen Hurts, I think it, it like it caused that distrust in the locker room. And obviously, getting rid of Peterson was a big step. But I just think Peterson and Sudfield are too closely tied at this point. But I also I, think that in general, Sudfield's a little old for a backup. Like at this point, I feel like backup quarterbacks should be young because you want to have a guy that you could develop. Um, so yeah, like I'd, I'd agree. I yeah, absolutely agree. With your that. backup needs to be well. Your backup needs to be the opposite of what your starter is, right? If you have a young guy like a Tua, like a Justin Herbert, then you need a veteran to guide right. him for, for a little bit. If you have a young up-and-comer as your starter, you need a Tyrod Taylor, a Ryan Fitzpatrick to... Someone to mentor them. That makes sense. Exactly. But, but I, I, I guess for the Eagles, I prefer to, them to have a backup who's had more actual game experience than Sudfeld. Nothing against Sudfeld, of course, but like... You know, like, that's why Josh McCown, who we love on this show, by the way, 
was a great backup for so long because he actually had a lot of playing experience, um, you know, like as a starter. Uh, that's why Fitzpatrick's been a great backup. And, you know, like there are some really good ones uh, on the market this year. You know, you got Jameis Winston. Um, He'll start somewhere. I think so, too. Um, you got Cam Newton, of course, who uh, would be really interesting in Philadelphia. And wherever he goes, he'll get playing time even if he's not starting. But I almost want to have a whole show dedicated to Cam Newton because I think, I think last year's Patriots, like they, they like transcended football in a lot of really weird ways, but that's a whole other conversation. Point being, there are a lot of really good backups on the market. And I think that the Eagles should make a point to get a quality backup for Hertz um, instead of Sudfeld. Again, not taking anything away from the guy because I'm sure he's- Eagles could possibly just, do what they did in last year's draft and they could go get a quarterback in let's say the second round, because that's what they did with Jalen hurts. So you can, I don't know about the second round. If they no. do that again, that franchise is done. Like there's no trust in that locker room, but Oh yeah. Like that would be, I feel like that might be a little too far because hurts. Jalen hurts is like, like he's still a puppy. Like he played one, you know, he's only played what, like a, a quarter of a season. I mean, I get it. Howie Roseman's crazy. I mean, God, you know, God bless another Jew being in the NFL. We, we, we support that here, but like, Oh yeah. The, Howie Roseman would be, that would be the dumbest decision of his career. And there's been a list of, them. although I, I do think if he gets like a quarterback, like in round four or five, that, you know, like a day, a day, three quarterback, that would be right. more. But that's what I was trying to say before you guys pounced on me. I was literally giving a hypothetical here. I wasn't saying that the Eagles should actually use their second round draft pick on a quarterback. What I was saying is, they could literally just go in the draft and get a quarterback. Like, I don't know if you guys saw, I don't know, Peyton Ramsey from Northwestern. He would Ooh. probably be really good uh, on an NFL roster, and he would probably be worth a fifth or sixth round pick. And he played in a pro-style offense at Northwestern. He'd probably fit in perfectly with the Philadelphia Eagles. I don't know. That's just There are, there are certainly a few quarterbacks this year who – uh, like in the draft and we'll do like we'll do when the draft comes closer we'll do episodes more about the prospects but there are definitely some quarterbacks who are being overshadowed by the really good quarterback prospects um meaning like the main four or five i guess are um you know lawrence lance by the way is it weird that trey lance and trevor lawrence kind of have the same name i don't know i'm the only one tl they're both tlc yeah yeah it's also like lance and lawrence like that's the same I'm pretty sure Lance is a nickname for Lawrence. Um, but uh, then Zach Wilson, Justin Fields, um, Matt, and then Jones. Matt Jones, right. Um, well, but Noah, one thing I wanted to get your take on is now that Sirianni is going to be with the Eagles, how do you think that they're going to hold up in comparison to the way that all three other NFC East teams, like Elijah said, are probably going to be taking a massive step up this coming year with Barkley coming back for the Giants, with like Washington actually having a quarterback and with Dak probably being healthy for a decent part of the year. Like, do you think Sirianni with his background with the Colts can give the Eagles any shot of a playoff run? I mean, it's really interesting because I want to see how much he works with Howie Roseman in the player personnel decisions, because I feel like that's kind of the losing touch that Doug Peterson had when he was trying to work with Howie Roseman and Peterson's tenure was really short in Philadelphia if you really think about it because he literally won the Super Bowl in 2018 and two years later he's kicked to the curb so I, I, I really think that player evaluation is important and I mentioned it on the on the last episode of the podcast that we did or maybe it was two episodes ago in which Sirianni was very confusing at his opening press conference and uh, how he would 
be designing schemes and all of that sort of magic. And went full Adam Gates. Yeah, he he did without <laughs> the without the smelling salts. So um, it it'll be really interesting to see kind of what uh, he does because he literally is going from working with Philip Rivers to working with Jalen Hurts, which is basically going from I don't know interacting with Betty White to interacting with like Dixie Dilmillo or however you pronounce her name, the TikTok star. So you oh, Charlie Dilmillo. Yeah, yeah. I, well, isn't her sister Dixie or something? Sure. Yeah, but I think they're both <laughs> famous. So, but I'm glad you know your TikTok stars. So my my point is, it'll be really interesting to see kind of what the influence is. He he's bringing in Shane Steichen, who worked with Justin Herbert uh, in San in San Diego, Los Angeles. So there will be some kind of influence there based off of the quarterback draft class. So I'm interested to see how the evaluation sort of takes shape. But I I agree with you, Evan, in the fact that the Eagles are kind of behind the eight ball in the NFC East because both the the Cowboys are are, are basically the same if Dak Prescott can come back healthy and ready to go. The Which Giants are basically going to year two. And then the uh, Washington football team with Ron Rivera and that front seven is just very scary. So it's basically like the three teams in the NFC not named Philadelphia stayed in the same place. And then the Eagles take a step back. But we were kind of expecting that with Carson Wentz being dealt. So that it's very interesting. So who do we think is going to be the quarterback for, uh, for Washington? And uh, I mean, I think Dak is going to stick around in uh, Dallas, but while we're on the NFC East, um, you know, it's an important position, obviously. I think Daniel Jones is going to, is still the guy in New York. I think actually, I really like Daniel Jones. I like what I see from him, even though he could be a little careless at times, but what do we think Washington's going to do? Obviously Haskins is with uh, Pittsburgh now. Because I think the Pittsburgh signed him that quickly. Say that again. I'm surprised that Pittsburgh signed Haskins that quickly. I, I I was surprised he was signed quickly, but it makes sense that it's Pittsburgh. Sure, sure, sure. Just given the way that they are as an organization, obviously, you know, perennially they're generally very good, and um, like if he can't succeed there, then I then he won't do a good job in the NFL. I, as far as I'm concerned, um, this oh, sort of has to do. This sort of sorry to interrupt Elijah, but this this no, no, sort of has something to do with the NFC East, basically because Wentz got traded. But do you guys find it interesting that now that Stafford, Matthew Stafford, got traded to the Rams, Carson Wentz got traded to the Indianapolis Colts, Jared Goff got traded to the Detroit Lions? That means that from 2009 to 2016, Carson yeah. Wentz and Jared Goff's draft class there have been zero quarterbacks who are now either playing in the NFL or on their original teams. First round, draft, first round draft picks. I think it's really interesting that you bring this up because it not only is a testament to the parody that has been happening in the NFL. And, you know, if, if something, well, Watson, we expect to be traded, but you know, if, if Mahomes goes down for the year and Trubisky isn't in Chicago, Trubisky, Trubisky's gone. Then that might, if, you know, let's say Mahomes gets knocked out for the year in like a Brady-esque thing in week one, which would be ironic because the Chiefs were the one that knocked out Brady in 07. Right. That would mean that this, this like... 09, but yes. Or, oh, I'm pretty sure it was 08. 08, yes, 08. Oh, I the difference. This is why we got... Oh, yes. Yep. Um, however, that streak would then extend to 2017, but I also think it is symbolic of the strength of like 
Ben Roethlisberger and Matt Ryan, not in terms of how long they've been with their teams. Like it really, you would think 2009 to 2016 that that would be if we were in like 2025, but it's like, oh, there haven't been any draft classes since. But the fact that there is someone on the older end beyond 2009 is a real testament to the longevity that those two have had with their programs. Sure. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, and I, I think you bring up really good points because, and, and this brings up another interesting caveat too, because Philip Rivers is now retired. Eli Manning retired the season before. Ben Roethlisberger is the only major quarterback from the 2004 draft class who is not only still playing at this point in time, we don't know what he's going to do because he still has a decision to make or else the Steelers take a really big cap hit, but he's still with his team. It's been 17 seasons. It'll be 17 seasons if he ends up lacing it up again in 2021. So I find that interesting. And then also Matt Ryan with that 2008 draft class. As well. I am ready to see Yep, go ahead, Elijah. I'm ready to see uh, Roethlisberger and – sorry, you were, uh, you, your audio kind of cut out for a sec. But um, I'm personally ready to see um, to see Roethlisberger and Drew Brees hang it up. Uh, I'm ready to see some new quarterbacks, new blood in those uh, divisions, uh, whether that's Jameis Winston taking over in New Orleans or Dwayne Haskins taking over in Pittsburgh. Uh, I, think it's, uh, I think it's time, and I think that both those teams are better off without those guys, as great as Brees is and as – apparently great as Roethlisberger was. I still never thought, I think Roethlisberger is the most overrated quarterback of every generation. Um, but um, Ooh. Still, I know that's a take. That's a take. I still think, I think that they're both ready to move on. Say that again, Evan. I think that that's less of a hot take than Trent Williams belongs in the hall of fame. <laughs> <laughs> debatable, debatable, all debatable, which Evan knows about Evan's debater. I think, Noah touched on that, but yeah. I did, yes, but also it was kind of a point in passing time. That's Speaking true. of the Hall of Fame, though, I know Noah wanted to talk about this a little bit, but we, we just had a Hall of Fame class, and uh, I feel like it, it's, you know, as people who talk about football, we should acknowledge them. Elijah, well, uh, do you want us to address your question regarding Washington's quarterback first, or do we want Oh, to yeah, that? let's. we should talk about that first, and then we could give our kudos. Noah, but, um, Noah you want to start off? Sure. I... I think it's a, another really interesting topic to talk about because I love what Alex Smith did. And also I love what Taylor Heineke did on the field. So, yeah. it, and, and they re-signed him recently. So he he's getting his money. And obviously if he does end up becoming a backup quarterback for the Washington football team again, then, you know, he's going to be a really highly paid uh, backup quarterback. So I don't, I don't, I don't think he's going to start though. And that's where it might be interesting to see what they do in the draft, perhaps if say Justin Fields falls, which I don't see that necessarily happening, but I mean, it's a really, it's a really big talking point. And with that, honest, Evan, I don't really have an answer for it because I want to see if they retain Alex Smith. And if that's the case, then he's obviously going to be the clear cut starter, but they might, they might move on from him. And I talked about this with Elijah, there are Carolina Panthers brass in Washington. Ron Rivera, the former coach in Carolina. Marty Herney, who's now the vice president of football operations. He was a general manager in Carolina. They, they're not going to get Cam Newton. They also let him go. So that's obviously exactly. probably the reason why they won't sign him. But I, I, I just think that parody is there, and it would be really interesting if there was a reunion. 
What I will say they are a nice destination because of that defense. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, you got Terry McLaurin. Mc, I can't say his name. McLaurin, McLaurin yeah. Okay, yeah. Um, and, uh, like, they, they have some Logan Thomas, like, some nice nice weapons here and there. Antonio uh, Gibson. Say that again? Antonio Gibson, Gibson Memphis product. Oh, yeah. 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 You're getting your Memphis guy, Elijah. Come Nine on. one represent. Um, but, yeah, I feel like if Washington's in the market to get a receiver in the draft, it – probably around two, like a Seth Williams from Auburn, something around, something like that. I think some, someone to go opposite Nick Lauren to really give the Washington football team a formidable offensive attack. And really, if I were a quarterback, I would, I would love to play for Washington at this point, which is something I never thought I would say. But now that, you know, they don't have a mascot and they have such a good defense, I think that, I think that someone good is going to want to play there. Yeah. What do y'all think happens first? A Washington quarterback makes the pro bowl or the Washington football team decides on a mascot. mascot. I think I would put money right now on mascot and I, it would be mascot too. I think, I think that's the case. The Washington, the Washington Jews. Mm. They are owned by Daniel Snyder, but. I don't know if he... Hey, we don't claim him. We don't claim Snyder. We don't want him to be one of ours. He's not one of us. That's that's some that's some hot water. Um, but we'll we'll definitely table that because I think that we can bring that up in terms of other things that will happen in this crazy off season pandemic riddled NFL off season. Which oh yeah, we're gonna have we're gonna have a lot to talk about this off season. Lots of content in the National Football League. Quarterback sure. looking as ever changing as ever before. Yeah, it, it, uh, I, I agree because literally, it's like becoming the the NBA, which is, in my opinion, the fastest developing league in terms of generating content, no matter what. So, but oh yeah. the NFL literally holds a day of the year, so I'm not going to dispute that. That's that that's a good point, but. We, we do need to talk about the Hall of Fame class because we really haven't gotten to it. And there were a lot of great candidates who got uh, enshri- or who will be enshrined hopefully in August if the pandemic wears out and we can actually have some sort of ceremony. So I wanted to uh, open up the floor to you guys to talk about if you guys wanted to talk about a specific guy that you really like getting in or if you wanted to talk about some snubs, we can do that as well. But Obviously, for me, it's Peyton Manning, former Colts quarterback, you know, guy who played from 1998 to 2011 and then ended up playing with the Broncos 2012 to 15. His numbers speak for himself, but um, this guy just means the world to me. And literally the reason why Lucas Oil Stadium in Indianapolis is built is because of Peyton Manning. So um, love to open up the floor to you guys as well. Uh, well, I, I want to uh, I want to talk about Calvin Johnson because I think he is uh, someone who I, I obviously watched him twice a year when he played the Bears, and I always watched him whenever I could just because he was an absolute unit at the receiver position. Megatron. Um, Megatron is just a, um, I mean, he he was he, he was like one of the best athletes Detroit has ever seen, and that includes Barry Sanders. Yep. Um, I also want to uh, talk about Tom Flores, who was- Big seven-day cruisers. 53-day cruisers. Big cruisers. 
What was that? I was pulling up an article about the Hall of Famers. I was worried that was going to happen. My bad. <laughs> um, Speech and debate no. coach is cheating. Oh no. <laughs> yeah. uh, but no, I just want to talk about a, I want to talk about Tom Flores because he was uh, the first Hispanic starting quarterback and the first minority head coach uh, to win a Super Bowl. So I think it's nice that he, you know, got his honor uh, as a Hall of Famer now. Um, also, Charles Woodson, who was a great corner, obviously one of the best corners of our generation. I do think that there is another cornerback who got the short end of the stick and did not make it to the Hall this year. And he absolutely should be in the Hall of Fame. And that is Charles Peanut Tillman, my favorite football player of all time. But that I'm going to save that for another episode. Like I might dedicate a whole episode to Charles Tillman because of how badly I think he got snubbed from the Hall of Fame. But that's, again, like I said, another story. But really, my main takeaways from the Hall of Fame class are, uh, obviously, you know, Manning, good for him. Um, Calvin Johnson, who I loved watching, even though he was a rival. And Tom Flores, who uh, broke, a, broke a barrier. Um, so, so that's Evan, before we get to your what you have to say about this, because I, I want to hear what you have to say. I, I, I love what you brought up, Elijah, about the, the broken barriers with Tom Flores, because um, first of all, he's been trying to get in the hall for, for years and years and years. And I love what, uh, I think it was Budweiser did a campaign about him trying to get into the hall this season, um, filmed near his home in Indian Wells. And then he finally got in, which is really awesome um, and, and, and good for him. But also yeah. another contributor who got in was uh, was Bill Nunn, who worked for the Pittsburgh Steelers and was so instrumental in drafting players from historically black colleges, like John Stallworth, Mel Blunt, Jack Lambert, Donnie Shell. Like you look at all of these different players that Bill Nunn had influence in drafting and making the Steelers of the 1970s that steel curtain what it was. I mean, give that guy all the credit in the world. And then also what you talked about with Charles Woodson, another connection there, Peyton Manning and Charles Woodson, same draft class, and also one and two in the Heisman Trophy uh, presentation uh, voting as well. Woodson edging out Peyton Manning. So I just I just find that really interesting. But Evan, I really wanted to hear what you had to say about the Hall of Fame class as well. Yeah, I mean, the fact that, you know, Johnson and Woodson are one, two, and then they're, they retire in the same year, I think is a phenomenal point. You know, with Megatron going, you know, living in Michigan, he he's idolized out here. And there have been people talking about the upcoming growth of receivers like DK Metcalf and saying, you know, don't talk to me about the strength of a wide receiver like him or DeAndre Hopkins until you can do what Johnson did, where he was routinely getting triple covered, not only in a man-to-man -man corner, but having either both safeties or a safety and a linebacker, one play underneath, one play over the top. Like the man was an absolute. I will say monster. Charles Tillman really held his own against him. <laughs> I'm just saying, I'm just saying, I'm just saying. Uh, he actually, like there's a whole, uh, I, I, I got to stop talking about Charles Tillman or I'll just be talking for the next 30 minutes. But yes, you're right. Like Johnson was so hard to cover. It was just a peanut of information there about uh, Charles Tillman. Oh my God, no, but, no. But no. I, I, you know what? Your booze make me happy. So please. No, no, no it's good. I, I love it, Evan. And also, like, I was going to make a joke about Bill Nunn, but I couldn't think of anything clever about his last name. You couldn't, you couldn't think of Nunn? Is that, is that the joke? Is, is the joke that you're not making a joke? Like, the joke is that it's one of those things where it's just, it's so odd. Like, it's so easy to come up with something for something like that. Um, 
You know what? It seems like you didn't really pay the bill on that joke. But moving on to the wide receiver from the Cowboys. I mean, look, like it's notable that he's an undrafted free agent and he retired as the Cowboys receiving leader. But it's really interesting to show the growth of the NFL in terms of becoming a passing league. Like if you look at his numbers, they do not seem Hall of Fame worthy. But at the time, you know, he's a member of the NFL all decade team for this 1970s. Like based on how he did in comparison to the members of his generation. Yeah, you could argue he's a Hall of Famer, but it's really weird to see his numbers in comparison to Calvin Johnson. And even though Johnson played less seasons, like Johnson outpaces him in so many categories. But it's just about the, the way the games evolved, really. Absolutely. You know, like they, they used to run the ball way more than they do in today's NFL. And I mean, the, the, the Calvin Johnson, like when back when the Lions had uh, Calvin Johnson and Stafford, like a young Stafford, that was, they, they were like a light version of, um, of like, uh, I'm not going to say like the Chiefs, but like they were like a, like a light version of kind of, it, it was like whenever, wherever Randy Moss would go, uh, you know, like Randy Moss with the Vikings, Randy Moss with the Patriots, it was very similar to that and that it was, it was the air show all the time. Um, and I, I find it funny that you mentioned that too, Elijah, because those teams, the most successful teams in Detroit, including the last playoff appearance in Detroit, was that of head coach Jim Caldwell, who also coached Peyton Manning uh, to one of uh, one of his Super Bowl appearances during um, Super Bowl 44 when the Colts played the Saints. So I find that very interesting as well. And also the fact that Calvin Johnson is when he will be enshrined, he will become the second youngest enshrinee in ho- Pro Football Hall of Fame history. Of course, Who's behind the, one of your favorite players, Elijah Gale Sayers, uh, oh. for the Bears. Because well, Sayers was 34 when he was enshrined. Jim Brown and Calvin Johnson, 35. Dick Butkus, Earl Campbell, uh-huh. Barry Sanders, 36 years old. So, Just wrap this Hall of Fame class. I mean, you know, we have Tom Flores who representing a community college. We always happen to see that. And then, you know, his time with the Oakland LA Raiders. But more specifically, John Lynch's role, not only as a player for the Buccaneers and Broncos, but as an owner for the Broncos, I think has made them a formidable force. And then Alan Fanica was just a tank. I think you mean GM, but yes. Yes, you are correct. GM of the 49ers, yeah. Wait, doesn't didn't Lynch have a role with the Broncos for a while? I think he did, but I think he did have a role with the Broncos after he retired. Like, I, he played for the Broncos, yeah, in career, and then I think he worked with them, and then I think he moved to San Francisco. But I could be wrong about that. I'll have to. He also it. worked in television at Fox. I'm I am mixing up the, my John, just the John Lynch. Yeah, John El- John Elway is the current. Uh, he he was the general manager, but he stepped down uh, after. There are too many Johns. There's so there many John. John. naming your kids John. No more Mikes and no more Johns, please. Love that video. Shout out to College Humor. And, uh, <laughs> and I um I gotta say also John Lynch, he swindled Ryan Pace. Uh, you know, made him trade up one spot to draft a guy who started for one year at a basketball school. And again, obviously I love Mitch Trubisky with all my heart, but like I mean that that's one of John Lynch's main achievements is ripping off the bears and uh, getting another John Lynch connection as well. John Lynch won the Super Bowl with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and that famous Tampa two offense, which was instituted by Tony Dungy at first. And then John Gruden was the head coach of that Super Bowl winning team. 
But Tony Dungy ended up going to Indianapolis and coaching Peyton Manning. So just another, like, it's amazing. I would really, I'd really like to know a stat for, I don't know, is there somebody that has had multiple Hall of Famers in one class at any point? Because obviously Dungy coached Peyton Manning. He coached John Lynn. 2001 Miami Hurricanes. I mean, yeah, you could probably build off an entire series about that team. So I get that, but. I, I, I just, talking about like just like in the NFL specifically. Yeah, I don't know. That's it, it. It's just such a specific thing to ask for. But I feel like the NFL is so good at stats that they could probably come up with something like that. Because I'm genuinely curious to see like who has coached the most Hall of Famers. Like which coach has coached the most Hall of Famers? Because then they're yeah. the best Hall of Famer. Like I don't know. If I had to guess, I would guess um, it might be Belichick. What? Because Belichick, like he was a defensive coordinator in the eighties. Yeah, for the Giants, for the who Giants. won, who yeah. won two Super Bowls. That's true. It's a good point. But I don't know if, like, I mean, are you are you counting that or like? This, I mean, this I, is like, I would count I that like because of the influence there. Yeah, totally. I feel like we should flush out this topic and like make it an episode because I really like where this is going. But it's like we could talk about this for hours on end. Yeah, I mean, tying back to what Noah said, like, you know, if Andrew Luck gets in in his first induction year he will be 34 years old, right? Like, he could put up a little fight for Gale Sayers here. Oh, yeah. Although, Andrew Luck, maybe he'll come back. Who knows? I've read, I've read He's rumors, but I did, see, I did see that. It's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. Wouldn't he look good in a Bears uniform, though? I mean, <laughs> my God, he would look so clean in Chicago Navy. He, he would look good in any uniform that obviously isn't a Colts uniform or whatever because, you know, there's now a, there's now a, a, an occup, occupancy at the quarterback position in Indianapolis. So one, one last question for Evan. Um, what do you want to see the Jets do in the draft? Well, um, you know, now that they've gotten rid of Adam Gase, I have no problems with whatever they do. That was my only Christmas present. It doesn't even matter that I'm Jewish. I just – wanted to say goodbye to Adam Gase, the murderous moron that he is. He destroys every bit of talent. Every single player that's, like, if there's any fantasy players out there, every single player on the Jets team going to have a better year because they're not blessed by the curse of Adam Gase. Like, look at the way Kalen Bellage goes to the Chargers and takes off. Look at the way that, you know, Tannehill has an incredible career oh, in Tennessee. Like, look at the way... Cutler's best year was with Adam Gase. You know what? Peyton Manning also but, coached by Adam Gase. <laughs> but, like, as a head coach, he's sure. kind of... True. I mean, but to, answer your, to answer your question of what they should do, you know, I think that they, they need to commit to a route. And they could either keep Darnold and trade back for a dearth of picks. Or they can go to, you know, someone like Devontae Smith and give him some legitimate weapons. And maybe Darnold is ready to take off in year four now that he's not being held back by the gaze of Adam Gase. Huh, nice. Thank you. <laughs> you, or, you waited for, for a dollar, but I love that. Yes, thank you, thank you. <laughs> I'll, I'll be here not all week, but maybe for the next however long the podcast lasts. <laughs> I do think that that's probably their best bet over – drafting someone like Zach Wilson and then trading for trading Sam Darnold, because I don't think they're going to get the appropriate value for Darnold. I don't think that Wilson is that better, much better of a prospect than Darnold was coming out. 
And I think that the first round pick trading back for gets the Jets more value than trading Darnold Wood right now. I, I think I'd agree to that. I, I think I really agree. And I, I, for one, I've always liked Sam Darnold. I don't think he's lived up to the hype, but I, I agree that I like the idea of them trading back. Um, you know, like they could trade back, get a plethora of picks. Uh, and they could, um, I mean, and especially with how stacked this draft class is, they could have a lot of weapons for Sam Darnold. And even if Sam Darnold doesn't work out, again, quarterback market is more volatile than ever. So I like that. I like that idea. Trading back. It's a stacked draft class. But Noah, I think, you know, your connections with like scouting and evaluation can speak to this, that this is the class that we know the absolute least about. Because, I mean, what is it like? You know, one of the top five quarterbacks, it's either Wilson or, or Lance, one game under their belt this season. Like the pandemic, we know so little. Like, you know, with players like Jalen Waddle sitting out the entire year, uh, Suell, the offensive lineman from Oregon, sitting out Jamar the year. Chase and from uh, LSU, the receiver. Exactly. Like top 10 picks that sat out the year before, that is unprecedented in the NFL. So, yes, it's stacked, but. I also think that part of the reason trading back could be a good idea and part of the reason why the Colts wanted picks or the Eagles wanted picks for next year's draft and not this year's is because we don't know anything really about this year's class. It's a good point. I mean, yeah, it's a, it's a very good point. And yeah, Trey Lance, the quarterback from North Dakota state, Carson Wentz's alma mater uh, mm-hmm. is the guy that you're referencing who only literally played one game this season just to, get some sort of street cred and evaluation, which I find very interesting. It'll be. I hated that. I hated that. So I, I, I did too. Like just. Uh, he I threw don't... an interception and it makes me sad because like it would have been two years since his last interception because he didn't throw any interceptions the year before. But uh, anyway, I'm just, ugh, I did not like that. But anyway, no, I continue what you were saying. No, I was just going to say that it's, it's difficult, like you said, Evan, to evaluate talent. And the pandemic, of course, has a lot to do with it. And teams are probably scared that they're going to make the wrong choice in terms of who they draft. But hopefully players who sat out like the Penesuels of, of the world get credit where credit's due and hopefully get that top five pick that they that they so desire and so covet that um, they can basically fit in and the tape can speak for itself. So I'm sure that scouts are a little bit on edge but i think they'll still have some sort of an idea of what they'll want to do and and for for the jets for your team evan i think that maybe trading back is also a good idea because they already have leverage because they already traded jamal adams to seattle and they got picks from him so they could basically be the oklahoma city thunder if you will of the nfl because as we all know in the nba the oklahoma city thunder basically are going to run the NBA draft for the next six or seven years based off of what they've done. So maybe the Jets can be that because they have a new coach, Robert Sala, who is coming in and he can basically have his own stamp on the team and be in, be kind of immersed in the player personnel decision. I'm hoping that Woody and Christopher Johnson will give him that leverage and, and, and uh, Joe Douglas as well. So we'll see, but I, I, I think that the Jets have a bright future as well. Future's bright for New York football in general, I think. Mm-hmm. Bills, Jets, and Giants. True. All looks, good. All looks it, good. People forget the Bills play in Orchard Park. So. They do. 
And as much as I love Deshaun Watson, I and I think that you know we have the cap to get him and we have the assets to get him. I don't think this team is ready to enjoy a talent like Deshaun Watson. I think would be sacrificing too much of the equity we have in the draft. I'd agree to that. I think that's absolutely right. Yeah, that's incredibly insightful. So that's a really good place to to leave off as well on this episode of the Cross Country Sports Podcast. We squeezed all the the orange out, out, out as we could and we talked our hearts out and that's what you're always going to get when you listen to the cross country sports podcast want to thank evan feldman for joining us tonight absolute pleasure having you on dude um thank you so been, much for having me. yeah it's been great and we'll definitely hit you guys up with some more episodes in the future as well especially because as we know oh, yeah. the, with this off season we're going to have some really good content coming up yeah exactly so stay tuned for that make sure to Listen to the Cross Country Sports Podcast on Anchor and Spotify and wherever you get your podcasts because we're on there now and it's awesome. It's great. Elijah, you're the best for setting all that up. And we will Aww, catch you guys on the next episode of the Cross Country Sports Podcast. But for now, for Evan Feldman, Elijah Zalanki, Noah Friedman, signing off for the night. Thank you guys for listening. Shalom. Bye.